Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Killar jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson, Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you with us for another fantasy hockey ride. Whirly, whirly bird, roller coaster, tilt a whirl. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Elon, I'm going to break convention here, though, and I'm just going to drop the number one hockey headline. And the only hockey headline right now is Eric Carlson. Six goals, five assists, 11 points in 11 games. We are going to break down over the next two hours every point he has gotten so far this year. Bring in, in fine detail, celebrate each moment, and we'll get back to our regular fantasy advice next week. Yeah, it's just a, like a little special episode, doing things a little differently. It's just all about Eric Carlson. He leads all defensemen in what? points right now in the whole league. Who was drafting Kale McCarr in round one? That's ridiculous. Morons. You could have had Eric Carlson. Anyway, he's the best. Uh, but yeah, so we'll get to that. And then maybe some other things if we still have time. Uh, let's just mention very quickly, first of all, a couple important items First of all, happy birthday to Ben Burnett from Short Shifts. Hope you're having an awesome day. Number two, Kevin Carlson, very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com, your top fantasy hockey website. And I want to specifically talk about their uh, Twitter account that they made, at Dauber News. We have at Game Day News, which is pretty great. And Shams and I are like retweeting things from there. Dauber News, though, is like a little different because it's like tweeting out like news about like just a players that are having a good game or bad game. Uh, uh, game Day News, we try, I think it's Game Day News NHL, I should say. We try to retweet things that are like injury, you know, like significant news, not just like, oh, Miles Wood scored a goal. But it's like this Dauber News is great. It's like I don't even need to do anything else. I just watch Dauber News and that helps me plan the show. And they just added a new feature I asked for today of also like including how many points, you know, if they're hot or cold and like how many, you know, points they have in their last few games. Uh, so yeah, check it out. And Dauber Hockey, it's a great site. But anyways, Brian, with all that, let's get into the show. And yeah, maybe we won't spend the whole time talking about Eric Carlson, but let's just at least take a moment. He has three goals, two assists, and 12 shots in just his last two games versus Tampa Bay and Toronto, which have brought him to 11 points in 11 games on the season. There was some talk in the offseason of like, maybe this could be a good year for Carlson because Brent Burns is gone. Like Ever since Carlson got to San Jose, remember, we were debating on the show, how can Burns and Carlson coexist? The two like top fantasy defensemen, like who's going to be on the power play? Sometimes they were both on the power play. Sometimes they split it. Now it's just Carlson and like, who even else plays on the... Is Mario Ferraro the other guy who gets power play time? I don't even know. Who cares, right? They should no, just play... No one, no one knows or cares. <laughs> like, who, who... Like, name the forwards on that unit. Well, okay. Meyer... Hurdle on the second unit. Oh, the second power play. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Who who knows? I don't know. LeBanc. I think probably LeBanc, Benino, Kunin, and Nico Sturm playing with Mario Ferraro. Nico Sturm. Look at that guy. I saw he's been at the top of my free agency in my dynasty league for a while. He's having a pretty he's decent year. Five nobody. goals on eighteen shots in eleven games. No assists. That's it. 
<laughs> so anyway, obviously Carlson's not going to be point per game, but I don't want to spend time like poo-pooing and looking into like, oh, his shooting percentage is a little high, blah, blah, blah. Like he's Eric freaking Carlson. He's back, baby. And I don't know what else is there to say except to just be like, our boy is back and he's doing amazing. And I'm so happy for him. Our boy is back and you're going to be so happy if you're rostering Eric Carlson, who actually is playing even with the no-name D in San Jose. He's playing similar power play time compared to last year. Uh, A little more five-on-five ice time, which is nice. And also a little uptick in his shooting numbers, which is also nice. And I feel like that might be the Brent Burns leaving effect. Also, it might be that everyone, like no one there in San Jose anymore and him putting the team on his shoulders. In fact, this this Sharks team is looking more and more like the Sens teams that he was carrying on his back towards the end of his time there. Um, but yeah, 27 shots over 11 games, which is nice, uh, boosted by the 12 shots that Carlson has in his last two games. Three goals on 22 shots at five on five, uh, including that sweet, sweet or not even including, actually, because it wasn't five-on-five, five, that breakaway move. I loved what he did with his left his left skate there. Like I said, every single point, we're going to break it down. We're not. Um, but really, Carlson's shooting 13% versus his usual 7.5%, which regress it, and he still has nine points in 11 games, even if you take the goals away that maybe he shouldn't have. It's pretty exciting, just bottom line, that Carlson is suddenly ticking up in not just the counting stats, but... His shot generation, too, is is moving in the right direction for the first time in a while. And this is really nice because over the first six contests that Carlson played in, he had just a single shot in five of those six outings. So maybe he's finding his feet, his ankles. I'm not going to get too carried away here, but of course, now that San Jose is scoring and we know or we we theorize that San Jose was struggling to score. Maybe their time overseas interfered with their ability to get started. The whole team wasn't scoring, but now that they're scoring and Carlson is a big part of it, I'm excited to see if Carlson can pick up where he left off last year with a 57-point pace. The trick, of course, is going to be to stay healthy because we've seen 55 to 60-point Carlson in two of the last three seasons. So let's hope uh, we can see it again and over more games than we saw it for last season, which was just 50 games. Welcome back. King. I'd love to see Carlson sustain this shot work he's doing for another week or two so I could really, really, really start believing in him. It's exciting. It's nice. It's nice to praise the guy, especially, you know, Elon, I don't know if it happens to you, but the people who know me, who know I have a podcast named Keeping Carlson, are always talking to me about, oh, well, Carl, every time I mention the name, oh, well, Carlson's not that great anymore. Yeah, it's they're like, nice oh, that- are, you gonna, are you guys going to have to change your podcast yeah. name? <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> nice. We have to celebrate the moments that we get. Because uh, we haven't had a whole lot of cause to celebrate the guy. And it's it's nice. He looks happy. He looks confident. We're just happy for him. Yeah. Great job. EK65. But okay, let's move on to uh, some other things. I guess, I guess I'll mention since we're on San Jose, Hurdle and Meyer waking up, which is nice. A lot of people were worried about those guys. Uh, recently, they've been playing with Evgeny Svechnikov, at least in the last game versus Tampa, who like we've talked about on the podcast before. Like back when he was on Winnipeg, he was playing on a line with what was like Ehlers and Shifley. I don't know exactly who it was, but it was like two really good players also, and he did nothing with it. So I'm bringing it up just to say I'm not going to recommend picking up Evgeny Svechnikov unless you're in the deepest of deep leagues, because I just feel like when he's on a line with stars, maybe his job is just to like shovel them the puck 
and then like get out of the way. I don't know. Or just like not even touch the puck, but just move people out of the way. I don't know what his job is there, but he never gets points no matter who he's with. So yeah, just, uh, but interesting to see that San Jose is shaking things up a little bit. Uh, Brian, let's move on now to a uh, hot streak over in Winnipeg. Cole Perfetti, who was one of Dave Benton's picks last week on the stream scheme. And anyone who streamed him in for Winnipeg's great schedule this week now has an interesting decision to make because Winnipeg only plays two times next week. But at this point, if you have Cole Perfetti, how can you not hold on right now? Got to be the leading candidate or one of them for the Calder this early into the season. He's got three goals and three assists in his last six games. He was playing on a line with Dubois and Wheeler for the majority of the season. In the last game, actually, versus Arizona, Winnipeg like swapped out, like swapped Shifley and Dubois for a little bit. So Perfetti was playing with Shifley, uh, which is kind of interesting. We'll have to see what happens. Winnipeg, I believe, is playing today. So we can look into... Actually, let me just check right now and see if we have any updated Winnipeg Jets lines. Uh, the game's... Okay, it's 7.47 right now and the game's going to start at 8. So maybe we'll be able to check on in on this later in the show either way perfetti i guess he's not on the top power play unfortunately that would make him like especially exciting so far he's been held back with uh i guess wheeler ehlers dubois and and shifley as the four forwards there uh but he's only 20 percent rostered on yahoo he's really breaking out and plus i just noticed today he's triple eligible now he's got center left wing and right wing so brian what do you think thursday saturday games next week do you think perfetti is worth holding like if someone grabbed him last week for the good schedule and now they the plan was to get the good schedule and then after today drop them for a streamer next week is it time to just you just stick with the plan say thanks for the points see you later or is it like no this is a potential season-long hold and you'd really regret dropping him right now uh, it, that's a really tough one and I, I truly don't know yet I, I can't really pick a side but I, I would say if, if he's your bottom roster guy and you need a streaming spot I wouldn't feel so attached to him I mean his success lately has come with three goals on 14 shots which is great 14 shots over what was it three or four games that's that's nice to see but he's shooting 20% which is probably at least you know maybe roughly twice as effective as he should be but the nice thing about Perfetti and the reason to maybe consider holding him is that his ice time is holding at 16 minutes a night, which is good. Sometimes with these guys, you see them start off with a bunch of ice time or start off with little, but you know, whatever. They end up after 10 games down in the 13 minute range as coach teaches them some lessons. Perfetti has not suffered that fate. I think that's good. I think it's great. He's on the second line. He's on the second power play. And that's a pretty solid second line that he's found himself on too. Um, two four shot efforts for Perfetti in his last three games. I think... Yeah, it's he's an interesting guy if you want to hold on and see where he goes. But I also don't think that he's a must hold. So if I had him on my roster and I had a couple drops before him, I wouldn't feel bad about holding on and seeing what he might offer me being a couple spots away from the bottom of my team. Uh, you know, he kind of gives me right now like Lucas Raymond vibes from last year, even this year, you know, where you've seen the upside and potential, but you just haven't seen the consistency for him to put it all together, which might come. Lucas Raymond had a huge heater and then a huge cooler stinker, nothing last season. So we'll see what Perfetti does with his next few games. He's a he's a let's watch and see for the next few games. And if he's on your roster while you're watching, I wouldn't begrudge you at all. But if he's preventing you from adding a few crucial games played or the next big thing out of free agency, then I wouldn't let him stop you from doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's like odds game, right? We can't predict the future. It, to me, it would be really hard to drop him right now. Like, he's a rookie. He's new to the league. Like, his ice time could only, like, go up, right? As he gets... He, he, that top power play could... He could get it at some point, right? Maybe they're... At some point, they'll give him a shot when the Jets are doing poorly on the power play. Like, we don't know. Like, he's a, a high pedigree guy. It's not like he's coming out of nowhere. He's getting great deployment in just his first season. So... 
I would hold on. I think I, it's tough because you lose games. I have him in my couple team. And Brian, I'm going to bring up some other options that I'm considering dropping because I would like to get some games. Next weekend, I've decided I'm keeping Cole Perfetti on my team to see if he can continue to build on what he's doing. I don't want to be one of these people. I remember Johnny Gaudreau's first season. I either drafted him or added him out of free agency early on. And then he like got scratched early on. I don't know if people remember this back history of the Calgary Flames here. But uh, anyways, I dropped him and it was in a keeper league. And then he went on to become an amazing keeper for years to come as we all know and so i just feel like a rookie that's hot this is not even the johnny Gaudreau story right this is a guy who's hot right now six points in the last six games when you say he has a bit of a high shooting percentage so fine make it five points in the last four points in the last six games i'd be a little less interested but you know anyway that's my thought but obviously we'll have to wait and see there but definitely an interesting guy also by the way blake wheeler really uh turning it on he's been on the top power play with ehlers out like we discussed on the last show he had a goal assist versus arizona bring him to seven points in eight games like brian who's gonna slow down first like i think of wheeler as like this older guy that's like eventually gonna like i feel like every season we go into it thinking you know he falls in drafts because people think that he's probably a bit old and dusted this season you know he was even off the top power play to start the year so I think okay this is probably the year you don't want wheeler next thing you know he's you know almost at a point per game just like last year for that stretch after he was a bit cold to start he reminds me a little bit i think of joe pavelski as like a comp here two like older guys who just keep putting up productive seasons even though we expect they've got to slow down at some point pavelski's got eight points in nine games himself though four of those points came in one game versus montreal i'm curious to get a, a comp from you wheeler versus pavelski who do you think is going to keep it going longer i have to go with pavelski and i and i don't even really have to think about it for too long like wheeler he's in a good spot for now and that's thanks to ehlers being injured uh he's only gotten he's wheeler's only taken two shots over his last three games and he's scored on both of them so i don't love that he's not shooting any more than that i love that he's scoring on every shot he takes but we know he's gonna have to shoot more if the goals are going to keep going I, i i think wheeler is a hold until Ehlers comes back and then reassess. Uh, I'm not loving what I'm seeing under the hood from him. Like he is his shot generations down. His expected goals on his own is so far the lowest of his career. His ice time is down almost two minutes compared to last season. There's, there's a lot of reasons to not love Blake Wheeler and think he's a season long hold beyond Ehlers' return, but we'll wait and see. If Wheeler can somehow hold, like, he needs to be on the top power play, really, for me to be really interested in him or on a line that's really, really clicking. And, well, he's got at least that approximately at the moment. But but Joe Pavelski, speaking of a line that's clicking, he's not going anywhere off the top line, top power play that we could see, foresee in any possible way, away from Hintz and Jason Robertson. And that line is crushing it. And Pavelski, while Wheeler's shot generation is down, uh, Pavelski's actually putting up this guy. I don't know how he does it. He's putting up his best shooting numbers in like a decade in terms of volume and threat. So I actually, Elon, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna toss one of my favorite labels onto Pavelski, which is maybe he's a buy high. Maybe you find someone who looks at those four points against Montreal and is like, oh yeah, he's not gonna play Montreal again, so he's not gonna keep keep getting four points off them. I don't believe in him the rest of the time. He's old. He's washed. He's 38. I would be into a 38 year old Joe Pavelski as a season long hold without. Without really a thought, like he's someone that would probably be snoozing if he if he went cold, he'd be snoozing on my roster because I have enough confidence at this point that I could just set him and forget him. 
Yeah, Pavelski is unbelievable. I love as someone who is pushing forty myself. I'm always happy to see other uh, people still being able to do. Not that I could do anything like this, of course. Uh, but yeah, I think with Wheeler, the only thing I'll say is it's not as if the Jets have been known in the past to play Ealers on the top power play. So maybe that Wheeler is doing but so they well. Were, it's a new but they coach. have a new coach. No, I and know. They I'm were to saying, start the year. Yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah, saying it won't right. shock it's... me. It won't shock me if they decide, oh, I like Wheeler on the top power play. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> hey, as someone who has Wheeler and I was overly excited, I dropped so much fab on him in my for my kickupful team, KKUPFL.com. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Ryan loves promoting that website. I just it's just it's a good people site. don't some we have to clarify what the kickupful is. Just oh, yeah. Because it's not uh it's not I in agree. the common vernacular yet. <laughs> The website uh, well, address isn't I, in the common vernacular. Well, no, if you want to look, I could go on for five minutes about what it is, or I can just direct people to the website oh. and they can find out for themselves. You're saying this is like that, a shortcut? I, it's a shortcut. I'm I thought it was everybody. marketing. I thought I thought you keep no. on saying it every time. Oh, you're just saying like I don't want to explain this. Go to kakapful.com. Yes. You'll see. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. he this, was dropped. That sounded you like added... marketing every time you, you extend the website conversation. But yeah, I added him for like a pile of fab. Uh, I think over a quarter of what. I had left no one else even bid on him um and i think like i don't deserve the points he's gotten like i said two <laughs> goals on two shots lately uh with with a few apples in there too so that's nice to see but um five shots total in his last five games i am not uh i I'm, he's not locked in on my roster at all but he would he'd be closer to it on the top power play which as we're back we're back talking about because you said it's possible and elon i don't disagree Okay, we have a question in the chat here. Matthew's saying, I need a D to pick up with Seth Jones out. Who do I grab? So I got a name for you. I don't know who's available, of course, but how about Josh Morrissey? Because he's the next guy I wanted to bring up anyways, because he's having himself a year also in Winnipeg, sticking with the Jets here. Five assists in his last three games have brought him to eight points in eight games. Who does he think he is, Eric Carlson? Okay, last season, Morrissey had a pretty good year. He pays for 38 points. We were like, okay, looks like he's settled his top power play guy, but I didn't think he was like going to be, a, well, obviously not point per game. I didn't even think he's capable of being like a 50-point defenseman, but his career high pace is 43. Brian, from what we've seen so far, do you think Josh Morrissey can be a 50-point defenseman this year, or are you seeing, like, lots of reasons to think he's going to slow down? Like, obviously, he'll slow down a little bit, but I'm talking about a 50 threshold. I'm seeing enough reasons to think that Josh Morrissey is going to slow down to his usual, like, 40, maybe 45-point pace. Uh, At 5-on-5, he's been very involved in the offense. There's been seven goals scored while Morrissey's on the ice. He has points on five of them, including... Um, three of those, which are secondary assists. So this all adds up. Like career, usually he's involved in 30% of the points scored while he's on the ice. Right now he's been involved in 70% of the goals scored while he's on the ice. So that's uh, that's that's too much to expect from Morrissey to continue. Of course, we've acknowledged that, but how is there any sign that he's actually going to really step up and be better this year? Um, the short answer is no. I think uh, I think 50 points is still within reach when you regress Morrissey from his current pace. You know, his line's overperforming, too. That's another factor. Morrissey may be an interesting guy to try and sell high on, though. Like, I, if I had Morrissey, I wouldn't be sitting back celebrating. I would be like, okay, can I get somebody back in return who's a sure bet to be a 50-point D-man at least? And I would happily trade off. Like, if Morrissey gets to 50... Uh, that's fine. And the guy I trade for only gets like 45. Cool. But I think the guy I would trade for would hopefully have that floor of 50 or expect basic expectation of 50 if I'm doing it right. 
Okay, so I guess I, I like to try to come up with actual names for this. I'm trying to think of who's a defenseman who you should trade for that's maybe not doing so well that you could swap Morrissey for. How about like uh, Devon Taves? How's he doing? Yeah, he, he had a really cold stretch. Throw that trade. What do you think, Brian? Morrissey for Devon Taves. You taking that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would definitely I would definitely take Taves. And I don't know if Wierenski might be like that might be like if anyone's given up on Wierenski because of how terrible Columbus has been. Um, like that power play has done nothing. Wierenski has no power play points through 10 games. And I'm still not shaken. Like I, I'm shaken by the Blue Jackets overall. But I think at some point they'll figure it out enough for Wierenski to at least get back to being a 50 point guy the rest of the way, if not a 60 point guy the rest of the way. Okay, so there's a couple targets for you. By the way, did you see in uh, Columbus's game today where they got absolutely destroyed by New Jersey? 53 shots against. Yeah, they changed up the lines. They uh, put line A with Voracek and I think Roslevic. Like they they split up line A and Gaudreau. So that'll be interesting to see now when they go to Finland, what they do with the lines. So watch uh, game day tweets for that. But okay, let's move on to... Oh no, I still want to stay on Winnipeg. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I hope you like Winnipeg talk, but we've had a lot of questions about Kyle Connor. A lot of people are really concerned about him. Only four points in eight games now. He had seven shots versus Arizona. None of them went in. Uh, you know, going into the season, he was coming off this breakout near like 50 goal, 100 point guy. Are we panicking here, Brian? Or is this just a case where now's the time to try to trade for him? Like here, I, and I'm going to throw a specific one at you. So we're not talking about 50, 60 point guys, blah, blah, blah. Okay, say you have Jesper Brad. He's come out like uh, insane to start the year. 13 points in eight games. He's been playing with Jack Hughes. And so, for some reason, Eric Halla has been on that line <laughs> recently. Hey, it worked versus Columbus today. Uh, so Brian, let's say you have Jesper Brad, who's on five. I'll bet you you can get a Kyle Connor to bite on that trade offer. But do you send that offer or do you hold on to Jesper Bratt in that situation? I would send that offer for sure. Kyle Connor, we were worried about him going into the season. New coach and Rick. Yeah, I was. Well, I was because I wish I was because then I could sound smarter now. (laughs) he, He has a terrible defensive reputation and he was starting with Rick Bonus, who is known to be obsessed with defense like at the expense of offense and we saw one Dallas line succeed in the face of that over bonuses entire time there and those are really awesome players now Kyle Connor is a really awesome player and so is Mark Scheifele and so is Nick Ehlers so if they all play together they're fine Um, but the worry was that Kyle Connor would be punished for his defensive lapses and not get as many opportunities and I can say so far that narrative has not borne out Connor's still taking four shots per game But he's only scoring on 3% of his shots instead of his usual 15%. And it's not like his shots are any less dangerous than they have been in the past. His expected goals numbers are still in great shape. So, like, we could easily be talking about Kyle Connor having five goals in eight games instead of one goal and being on pace for another 50-goal season. His points participation, too, this goes beyond goals. It's low. Five on five, just 40% so far uh, versus his usual 80%. He also hasn't scored on the power play yet on nine power play shots. And uh, his shot rates there are still good. So everything looks healthy for Kyle Connor, except the counting stats. If you can buy him low, I mean, good luck. I think anyone who drafted him is is expecting big things and it's going to take a lot. But maybe Jesper Brad is a... Elon, I think that's a really good idea because he's someone who has buzz, who has hype, is stepping up and he's actually... He's really good. Like, Jesper Brad is good. This is not to take anything away from him. I love his shooting. He's taken three shots a night, shooting at a greater rate per 60 minutes than he ever has before. But he's been involved in 100% of the goals that have been scored while he's on the ice at five on five to take him to his current totals. And I think 
uh, Brat's line is also overperforming at both five and five on five and on the power play where he's pacing for like almost 40 power play points, which is 10 to 15 more than what I'd optimistically project for Jesper Brat with the man advantage. So this is something I definitely encourage you to try. Jesper Brat havers, try and trade him for Kyle Connor. Let us know if you pull it off. I really like that idea, Elon. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you like it now. We'll see if at the end of the year, a lot of people just like rage do you, well, do you unsubscribed. Like it? You, I like it. No, I think yeah. I'm with you. Like, how can you not go for Kyle Connor? But it would be tough because Brad is just like doing so amazing. Um, okay, another guy. Remember I was telling you how I was thinking of dropping Cole Perfetti to open up a spot on my couple team. Another guy I've been thinking of dropping is Shane Pinto, who I added right when Josh Norris got injured. And I know you're probably thinking, guys, come up with new players to talk about because we, st- we started last show talking about Shane Pinto. But like, it's been a week, right? Because Norris got injured and then Shane Pinto we talked about him on the show last week like oh for sure he's going to take over now on line two and play with Giroux and Debrinket and we were just talking about like is that worth adding blah 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 then like to our surprise DJ Smith was like no not so fast we like Pinto on line three we're going to put Derek Broussard who'd been scratched all season we're going to put him on the second line instead Uh, and so then uh, even though Pinto kept scoring goals from the third line or from that like power play that he's on uh, you know he didn't seem so exciting in fantasy and I was thinking maybe I could drop him at this point but now we've learned a couple things first of all norris's injury is like really serious and he's going to be gone a long time and brassard went to line two it didn't work out ottawa's lost two straight and in practice lines today that we've seen you go to gamedaytweets.com if you don't believe me uh they've been playing shane pinto on that line i don't know if you call it the second line or the first line i guess whatever they're probably both pretty even with Giroux and debrinket so now all of a sudden we're looking at a guy basically in the spot that norris was in so i guess i already asked you this exact question last week when i assumed this was going to be the case so i don't think we have to have a big discussion here but i feel like now now it's real except now also we know norris is injured longer than our discussion from last week so i feel like you've got to hold shane pinto right like we were talking with ben in our group chat and ben was saying oh i don't know maybe like pinto has low shot on goal but i feel like maybe you throw that information out the window because that those were his shots and rates like on line three like once he's on a new line he's probably gonna play more minutes like i don't know i just feel like you can't really buy too much into what we've seen like all we've seen is that when he takes shots they go in even if he doesn't take too many who knows if he takes more who knows if he's just gonna feed it to Giroux or to brink it and they're gonna say you know pinto will start picking up some assists i'm super excited for the guy he's already doing so well and now he's getting a line improvement so he's got to be a hold right yeah, he's got to be a hold. Six goals on 14 shots would be the, the very quick analysis. And most of you would look and be like, oh, yeah, and he hasn't even gotten assists. He's shooting 43%. He scored four times on 11 shots at five on five. No, I'm not going to believe in Shane Pinto for that reason. But you'd be wrong to not believe in Shane Pinto for that reason, because now he's stepping up into the top six. And he's looked really good to the eye as well. He seems like somebody who knows what he's doing when he's on the ice, makes smart plays, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. We mentioned on the last show Pinto has top six upside and so if we see him taking Norris's spot for now Broussard could not hack it all right this it it wasn't meant to be I think Broussard on that second line kind of neuters it and why would you do that to Claude Giroux and Alex Debrinkit when you have such a quality option like Two quality guys, you don't submarine them with someone who's barely in the league right now. So throw Shane Pinto up there. It makes a lot of sense into Norris's spot for now and maybe maybe the rest of the season. Elon, like you said, Norris is going to be out a while. And I don't know that they're going to have no, – I don't know that there's anyone else on the roster who they would consider capable of taking that spot. So if we had Josh Norris at like 60 or 70 points projected this season, I don't know. I, I, I want to think Shane Pinto could be – 
55 to 60 point player playing with Giroud and Debrinket. Plus, he's on a like a power play AB setup. And that line two is kind of like line AB also. That's how Ottawa, very even top six, very even top power play units. I am, uh, I'm all in. I like Shane Pinto's a, a must have. He may continue not shooting a lot if that bugs you. Um, because to bring it ha- takes like six or seven shots most nights, but he's in a position e- even without shooting to still get some solid production going. And that's why, uh, Shane Pinto should be rostered in every league. There you go. Okay. So that answers that. Go ahead and get Shane Pinto if you can. Uh, also on the sense, Cam Talbot has been practicing lately, could be back soon. Uh, they already said he's not going to play in the next game versus Vancouver, but maybe after that. Uh, Anton Forsberg in his absence, he's been solid, right? He stopped 53 of 57 versus Florida. What are these? What's with these games? It's like so many shots. It's crazy. Uh, it's, I've actually never seen Like Forsberg has a decent save percentage, 913, but over three goals against average. Like that's almost like impressive to me because it's like that. That just goes to show how many shots he's had to face that he's letting in three goals like normally a, a three goals against average means you're like a 900 goalie from my like just basic experience and here we're seeing like a 913 save percentage so facing lots of rubber which is great if you're in a league that like that counts points right and you get points for every save of course uh the problem is that like i said cam talbot is coming back so maybe now forsberg is going to get less volume in terms of actual games played so i don't know there's nothing we can do here we have to see we'll see if cam talbot is good and also interesting to me in on in the sense net this guy magnus helberg played one game played really well he's up 29 of 31 and a win over dallas i don't i kind of want to see what this guy has i don't know now now i guess he's third in the death chart i wonder if the sends are kind of i don't know not regretting getting talbot because well i don't know did they need to get talbot well anyway whatever i'm very curious to see what will happen like is helberg just gonna get waved again he's already been waved i think he started where like detroit or something or arizona i don't know and then he got went to seattle then he got waved from there and he went to ottawa he keeps on getting cool helmets or pads and everything uh i don't know i'd like to see this helberg guy get a chance but anyways what what are your thoughts in general about the sense crease and if who's like worth holding who's worth trying to sell like maybe you try to sell anton forsberg right now though i guess everyone knows that cam talbot's coming back so maybe it's too late for that Maybe some people are thinking that Forsberg is going to go the rest of the season, though, and that might be a reason to try and find out how much you can get back for Anton Forsberg. I might at least kick some tires with some big asks. Of course, even if Talbot does get a fair shake at playing half the starts, there's a chance he's not up for it. Cam Talbot has not been a good goalie for the majority of his career. Now, neither had Anton Forsberg in a greater sample, but so far this year, Anton Forsberg has looked like a legit NHL starter. Like he's up there uh, in his Delta Fano save percentage, which is a, a stat to compare how a goalie plays uh, with the context of their workload in mind. Uh, he's right up with UC Saros at the moment and uh, ahead of Igor Shosturkin and Jordan Binnington and Andre Vasilevsky. And of course, like there's context here and we don't expect this to stay. It's still been a small sample of games, but so far so good for Forsberg. I think he's at least he's made his claim to the number one job. And if the Sens don't get consistent goaltending from Cam Talbot, there's a good chance that Forsberg starts at least two of every three the rest of the season. Of course, it's just a big if. So there's a risk reward situation. If you have Forsberg, Exactly how that situation is going to play out uh, might there's there's some unknown there, so that's why I would say maybe go ahead and see if anybody desperate for a starter thinks Forsberg is going to be the runaway guy and willing to pay you for that. Um, otherwise, I would say I, I think it's unlikely you're going to get a great deal for him. So I guess just hang on and find out what happens with Talbot and Helberg. I think is it could be on his way to being waived again, the poor guy. But yeah, his pads are really really cool. 
I think I saw something like he he won that game. He's now like his first three NHL wins have all been on different teams. He's like the only goalie to ever do that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's trying. Like a, a very inspirational, like post game speech too. Like he believes in himself. We've been talking about him on the show for years, Elon. Do you remember? <laughs> I think his first his first career win came with Nashville. You remember that? No, I I don't. <laughs> I, f- I feel like we talked about it on the show. Maybe. Someone find yeah. the clip and send it to us. But okay, Brian, we've got a lot more to get to. Uh, so let's uh, stop the Sens talk. I know we could talk about Eric Carlson and then the Sens. Like that, that, that's our bread and butter here. We've got to move on to the rest of the league. We'll get to everyone else in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. And before we continue, Elon, I just need to, to check. I checked. I checked myself. Halberg's okay. first win did not come with Nashville. His first start. His No, his first appearance came with Nashville in 2013-14. His first win only came three seasons later with New York. Okay. For anyone wondering. Rangers? Uh, Yes, the Rangers. Sorry, he won the only game he started with the Rangers. And then moved on to Detroit. And then had five years between that and his next win in Detroit. He was 25 for that first win. He was 30 for that second win. He got his third at 31. It's (laughs) It's a long time between wins. I mean, to be fair, it's not like he was just sitting around. Like, he was playing in the KHL and doing quite well. It's not yeah. like he was just waiting for his next NHL game. <laughs> but, yeah. All right, Brian, let's move on to the LA Kings now. Um, I feel like uh, this is, again, maybe a little bit of reruns, but I think there's new context. We just got to talk Gabe Velarde really quickly. He scored goals in three straight. He's up to now seven goals, 11 points in 10 games on the season. But the new news with him, similar to Shane Pinto, he was already exciting before when he was like on line three and the top power play. Recently, he was promoted to the top line. He's been playing with Kopitar and Kempe, and he's on the top power play, only rostered. Uh, this is as of this morning. Maybe it's already, hopefully it's changed already. But as of Sunday morning, only 51% rostered on yahoo Uh, to me that indicates that 49 percent of the leagues on yahoo are clown leagues right because like how like what else do you need to see from gabe velarde unless just no one is paying attention right maybe there's some leagues on yahoo where they don't have any ads through the season so i guess that would make sense why he's not rostered there uh but yeah this guy to me is like makes perfetti and shane pinto like nothing like to me like gabe velarde is the guy i'm most interested in of those three do you agree with that yes I don't know. I guess that's a weird question, but Velarde looks awesome and you should have him. Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. Like, I called Pinto a must roster and Velarde, he could have been rostered. We've been talking about him the whole way through. Velarde could have been rostered after week one, should have been rostered after week two, and now he must be rostered after week three. He has his own little high variance pieces that are going for him, but on the whole, Velarde is putting some really high quality shots on net, and a lot of them too. He's got four shots in three consecutive games. I definitely like him above Perfetti. I'd have him maybe about even with Pinto, or maybe just a a smidge above, actually. So I, and this is a guy, he, Velarde was a highly touted prospect, and he only fell in his draft year, and he didn't fall that far. Um, He was picked 11th overall, but he only fell because he has had this really checkered history with injuries, and uh, and even in the NHL, that's followed him here. So we just want him to stay healthy. And But that's the only reason, A, he was drafted 11th, and B, that it's taken him this long to make an impact because he has rarely been healthy enough to really grow and develop his game. So I'm excited to see what uh, top line, top power play Velarde can do. 
Yeah, I think that this is a clear breakout season for him. And if you're in one of these 49% of leagues, like obviously get on it. Uh, the casualty here, of course, is Kevin Fiala bumped to the third line to play with Grundstrom and Kupari. This is like Kevin Fiala's lot in life, right? Like it's always, he always has to end up on the third line somewhere. Still on power play one. And hey, in Minnesota, he still did pretty well when he was in these spots. And you know what? He's doing pretty well in LA. He's got points in three straight. So what do you do now? Like, are you worried about Kevin Fiala down on this line? Or do you just kind of enjoy the production and hope eventually maybe he gets back to the top six. He's not getting on that second line, I don't think, right? Like, I feel like Arvidsson, Deneau, and Moore just no. are playing well together and they like them together. So unless there's an injury, I feel like it's either he's taking Villardi's spot or he might be sticking on line three for a while. That could be it. And like like you said, this is Fiala's lot in life. He's He's down on the third line again. And this is after having a long look at line one where he just didn't seem to be a fit uh, you know, his shots were way down. His expected goals are way down at five on five, which means he's not taking shots from as dangerous locations as he's used to taking them. Um, I, I, but with all that said, the drop to line three, if I'm looking through rose colored glasses for Fiala, is I'd rather him shoot away on the third line than be muted on the top line. It was clearly Kempe's uh, place to shoot on the top line, and there weren't enough shots to go around for Fiala. And I guess maybe Kopitar's just used to passing that way. When's the last time he's been wanting to feed like Ayafalo or Dustin Brown on his other wing? So maybe that was all working against Fiala. It's really like it's great that Fiala still somehow has nine points in 10 games, uh, including four power play points because of his top power play time and the fact that he's been on the ice for four power play goals and had a point on every one of those goals. Um, But this is a, a moment where he has those numbers. If you have Fiala, you should be poking around and seeing. Maybe his shots will improve on the third line. Maybe he'll still be able to put up great production from the top power play and enough from the third line to still be to still make you happy, but there's still risk there. So I would uh, I would liberally be seeking trades, uh, ways to trade him off my roster if he was on it. Who who are we going for then? You got Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I, I yeah. That's well. That's a great All question. Right. Chat should, room. Let us know. Let us I need know the who standings. Should... I need the any. I need the point leaders in front of me. I don't know, Elon. What do you think? What do you think about uh, Sam Reinhart? Like that. That would be a real. No. sell high buy low like there's a huge gap there i'd rather just have fiala why am i getting rid of fiala yeah. to take ice cold sam reinhardt who's we'll talk about he's been bumped yeah. from the top line he's also playing with nobodies i'm not Could you, get Bar- guys getting you couldn't get barkov for fiala well no i don't see why i don't see how that <laughs> yeah. could happen but okay we, we we can uh you know mull this over while we move on to our next team here another breakout star of the season along with velarde along with pinto we got to talk about martin Natchez, who still hasn't slowed down he had a goal and an assist versus Philly on Friday. He's up to 11 points in eight games. Like Villardi, he's recently gotten a bump. It's nice to see. You know, sometimes these guys, like, start, this is like a good lesson, I think, Brian, that we need to take away. Sometimes these players are like online. I, I guess like Natchez was on a decent line already. Unlike Villardi was on line three. Like Natchez was playing with Svechnikov. But you know, sometimes these guys are on a hot streak, but they're not on a great line. So I might think, eh, like Villardi, I could have added in a couple. And I thought I'd rather, you know, I don't think it's going to last if he's just on the third line. But, you know, you got to, I, I need to learn this lesson that like when players play, well the coaches like reward them and sometimes that could reward could be like eventually getting elevated up the lineup it's happened now to shane pinto right though it took an injury for that but nhs recently has been playing on the big line with aho and svechnikov so sticking with svechnikov and now aho is there also nature's has been on the top power play so it's probably too late but like 
I don't even going to ask you about him, Brian. I feel like obviously he's for real. He's doing great. Like maybe he's not like a hundred point player, but he's on a great line now. So if you were excited about him before, you should be even more excited. Of course, this makes the Fiala in this situation, Tevo Teravainen, who's now been bumped from that line. He's down to the second line playing with Seth Jarvis and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Also, Teravainen has been playing on the second power play recently. The top power play has had Aho Nietzsche Svechnikov, Stefan Nozin. I don't know why. Neeson. Neeson? Oh, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> Disrespect here. Again, Brent Burns. So that's from the top power play, leaving Tara Vinen to play with Jarvis, Kakaniemi, Stasny, and Dylan Coughlin on the second power play. Also, Tara Vinen only has three assists and no goals in eight games this season. So this is like a really bad situation, at least with Fiala getting bumped. He was still on the top power play, still getting points. Tara Vinen's not doing anything. He's getting bumped down the lineup. But of course, the thing he has going for him is a career history of being really good. And so like you could drop him and then next thing you know, next game, he's back playing with Aho and Svechnikov or something or Aho and Jarvis and he can, you know, get going. Like I don't imagine he's like a different player than last year unless it's just that Martin Nechas is just like had such an improvement that now like Tara Vinen isn't needed in that spot. So I'm just curious to know, like how much leash has Tara Vinen earned with us from all his previous success from previous sneez- seasons? Like, do we could just call him a snoozer now? Like, it's easy to just say he's cold. He's not on a good line. Drop him. But he is Tavo Tara Vinen. He's been good for a while. So like at what point do we give up on someone like him? It's really hard to drop a player like Teravainen whose upside is 75 points. And that's what would be expected from Teravainen if he was on the top power play which he's not. And now he's taking his customary turn away from Sebastian Ajo. Like this happens over the course of a hurricane season. Teravainen's with Ajo. Oh, he's not. Is he going to get back? Yeah, he's going to get back with Ajo. Uh, But right now, Brindamore blends his lines pretty regularly. And right now he's not with Ajo, which makes it that more glaring the hill he has to climb to be able to be a producer. Uh, Teravainen has no goals on 21 shots. That's not helping. But even if he was shooting his career average shooting percentage, he'd still only be on like a 50-ish point pace. So really the whole problem here for Teravainen, to me, appears to be the power play where he's lost the spot from which he put up 31 power play points last year. That's really ugly. This is really hopeless for Teravainen. And he's been on the ice for no power play goals so far this year. He's actually still looking good individually. And so is the second unit in Carolina, but there's only so much you can do with the minority share of power play time. And really power play one and power play two, that's the difference between Teravainen being a 70, 75 point guy and a 50, 55 point guy. And right now he doesn't have power play one. That's really concerning. A ceiling without power play one is probably 60 points. And that's, I'm talking ceiling. I I, I would put him closer to 55 if he's off power play one. And like we were talking about trade targets for Kevin Fiala, it would not be Tavo Teravina. I'd want someone who I could confidently expect 70 points from. But again, it's tough to drop Teravine in case he does end up back on the top power play in the spot currently occupied by St- Stefan Neeson, who I actually meant to bring up last week. And I was kicking myself that I didn't get to, but he hasn't done anything this week. But going into last week's show, he's uh, like, this guy's a journeyman. He's He's been around and he's never had any power play role of any kind anywhere. But with Carolina, he's playing this specialist role. He played 10 minutes of ice time total against philly on saturday night four and a half of those minutes were on the power play like he's playing 30 to 50 percent of his minutes on the top power play unit of carolina so i guess there's something he's doing that they're liking but it's not getting him a whole lot of points and it's getting in teravinen's way so if and when that experiment ends good news for teravinen 
until then, I am really, really worried about him. And I, I don't think you can drop him. I think you're just stuck with him. You unless you're dead. Yeah, like you, you could drop him. Um, but you, you, you could be given up big points down the road. So it depends on how patient you can afford to be. It, it's ugly right now. I can't sugarcoat it for Tavo Teravainen. Yeah, I mean, the good news is Carolina has a good schedule next week. It's a week. You'll listen to uh, Stream Scheme if you haven't yet in our feed. Uh, but like most of the teams next week play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So your lineup is like full on those days and your bottom guys aren't getting in. And Carolina is one of the few teams that actually has three off-day games. They play Monday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So if you're frustrated with Tara Vinen, you got to at least hold him for this week. Cause you're, you're, if you're dropping him for someone, unless it's for someone on Buffalo or Carolina, you're not like gaining very much. So hold on for now. And we could always like reassess. I think I agree with you. It's only a matter of time before he gets back on the top power play. Like he's obviously like a really good player, but yeah, just a situation we had to throw out there and, you know, put him on snoozer alert at least, but I agree. And if, if he does get dropped now, it'd be a great time to add him for this great schedule. And then you could always, then you, you, you could be in the driver's seat to decide how long you want to hold on to him, but I wouldn't give up on him just yet though it is a it's been a rough start uh let's go to edmonton now two guys who are really going off to start the season are ryan nutrient hopkins and zach hyman i mean two other guys that are really going off are connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl but there's not too much to say about them i want to talk about rnh and hyman who have both been playing with mcdavid most recently though obviously this changes quite often hyman had two goals versus calgary yesterday he now has goals in four straight games he's got six goals and three assists in his last six games zach hyman this guy is so so good like and la- i remember thinking about him going into drafts this year and seeing him kind of falling and wondering if maybe he'd be like a really good grab and people were like yeah i mean we saw what his ceiling was last year but i wonder if we're seeing something new from zach Hyman because it's been such a great start and then ryan nugent hopkins he was quiet in that game versus calgary yesterday but he had five goals and six assists in the six games before that uh also the oilers have evander kane who's right near a point per game how rare I, I should have just looked into this but i'm curious to ask you brian do you think the oilers will have five guys that are point per game this season and is that rare? to me that sounds like it must be so rare but yeah with obviously mcdavid drysdale rnh hyman and kane i'm not saying it'll happen but like that's pretty impressive to have five guys that are all legit threats for a point per game i'm curious to know who do you think is more likely to sustain their production between hyman and ryan nugent hopkins Okay, I really want to answer the first. I'll answer the the question, the player specific question first. But I have an answer for the other part about teams with point per game players. Uh, okay, you you were wondering if Hyman's doing anything differently this year. I don't. Uh, I don't think so. I really don't, and I, I'm actually kind of puzzled. I honestly, any any Oiler is really hard, especially when they're in this mushy middle where we've seen them get really hot and then really cold and with McDavid, without McDavid on the top power play, not on the top. Like, it's really hard. I I have a hard time, I'm just going to be honest, wrapping my head around Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins both. Nugent Hopkins, one thing that I see in his numbers that isn't going to hold is he has six power play points in nine games. As good as that top unit is in Edmonton, that's not going to hold. He's also scoring on a sixth more than a sixth of his shots at five on five. So those are two reasons to see that he's going to regress. Zach Hyman has three power play points in nine games, which seems like it could be sustainable if he were a full-time top power play guy, which he is not. Uh, Like last year, Hyman had just 10 power play points in 76 games. He's already third of the way here in uh, in an eighth of the games played. So you can do the math there. I think both Nugent Hopkins and Hyman are overperforming. I think they'll probably be even. If I was picking one, to take for the rest of the season, I'd take Hyman just because he's 
at least on power play one half the time and is going to be in the top six, whereas Nugent Hopkins, even though full-time power play one, we've seen him play with some pretty rough line mates outside the top six away from McDavid and Dreisaitl. So that's why I would prefer Hyman. I'm excited. It's good for them, uh, the things that they're doing. Congratulations. But yeah, like you said, I, I'm not expecting point-per-game paces to hold. But if I had to pick one, I'd go Hyman. I also think his ceiling is higher than Nugent Hopkins is as well. As for teams with so many point-per-game scores, Elon, I think five would be the most, at least in the modern era. So I did try and look at this quickly before we got on the air. Jo- um, the Panthers last year had Huberto, Barkov, Reinhardt, and then Ekblad had 57 points in 61 games, so almost point per game. Um, so that's four guys. And then the other team, do you want to guess? Do you have any guesses who the other team would be that had four point per game players? Like last year or like just someone in the la- In the last 20 years, like since the 04 lockout when rules changed and, you know, the, the rules changed. Uh, yeah, when, when things changed a little. It's hard. A Colorado last year had a lot of good players like Rantanen, McKinnon, Kadri, and Kale McCarr. Were they yeah. all point per game? Or Landeskog? I could see it being Carolina. Oh my uh, gosh, I, did, I didn't even catch that. Oh, but I might be wrong. I don't can... know. Maybe they weren't all point per game. I know for sure McKinnon and Rantanen and McCarr were. All right, what if I and told Kadri you... Was... was too. Oh yeah, so maybe Land- if Landeskog might have been five just last year. <laughs> yeah. Um... Okay. McCarr, Kadri, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. There, done. And and Devin, Devin Taze was close. Okay, I was going to go back to like a more fun, uh, like reminiscent, almost 20 okay. years ago. Uh, how about the 05, 06 Detroit Red Wings? Okay, let me guess a, them. Okay. Iserman. No. No, am I, is that too late? <laughs> he had uh, 34 Federov. points in 61 games as a 40-year-old. Oh. Yeah, so, for, you're, going, you're going too far back. Okay, sorry. Uh, Datsyuk. <laughs> Yes. Zetterberg. Yes. Lidstrom. Yes. Uh, then, then it gets hard. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Bertuzzi? Or no, he wasn't there. No. It's okay. actually going to surprise you. Uh, Bre- Brendan Shanahan was oh. 37 years old, 81 points in 82 games. And the last one is definitely going to surprise you. Um, we I, I forgot that this happened, but at 35 years old, Robert Long had 62 points in 72 games. Not quite point per game, but that's like four and uh, and almost a fifth point per game player. Fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, going back to the modern Edmonton Oilers, though, another gem of a game for Stuart Skinner yesterday. He stopped 40 of 42 to beat Calgary. He's now up to a 955 save percentage on the season because he also stymied St. Louis earlier in the week. Jack Campbell, though, has been bad. <laughs> on the contrary uh five goals against versus chicago thursday in the six to five win brian do you think we're at a point where skinner gets a run of games now until he falters i guess there's no way to know but that's the question i'm asking myself now like i know campbell has the contract but who cares the they the point is to win right so why not just play Stuart skinner who just seems like the better goalie right now unless but i guess there's a whole psychology of we need to get campbell rolling so that we have two good so blah maybe it'll be 50 50 but i don't know i'm excited and i would love to see Stuart skinner get a run right now me too. And I think he's earned it. The way he's played and the way Campbell has played, they're basically at opposite sides of the league in, in how they played at five on five and on the penalty kill too, which we don't usually, like, I don't, I don't make a big deal of it, but I just want to note that Campbell's been terrible on the penalty kill. An 814 save percentage. Skinner has a 909 save percentage. So he's overperforming. Usually you'd expect uh, an NHL goalie to be somewhere in the, in the middle of those two numbers, like 885. But Skinner's destroying Campbell there in in limited time and but also at even strength like 
Skinner is basically the best goalie in the league in the small sample of games he's played. And Jack Campbell is down towards the bottom of that list. Uh, So I would love to see Skinner get some games. And maybe this is a moment for Edmonton to say, okay, maybe Jack Campbell can't be the guy, but can he be a good part of a of a working tandem. Maybe he can be a 1A. Maybe that's the role for him. And Skinner's giving the Oilers room to try that. So that's what I'm hopeful Skinner will get some more starts. I think what Edmonton plays three times next week, over under one and a half games played for Skinner. Yeah, I mean, I would expect him to get the next start, right? Like they're playing Nashville on Tuesday, then New Jersey on Thursday, and then Dallas Saturday. For me, I'd at least like play Skinner until he loses. But maybe I'm a, too old school of a coach. Like I, I mean, I'm not saying to like r- r- you know run your goalie into the ground like a Marty Brodeur, but Skinner is like the hottest guy in the league right now. Why bench him in a tough game against Nashville? It's not like the Oilers are guaranteed to make the playoffs. Like I feel like you try to win games, but uh, that's why I'm a podcaster, not an NHL coach. So I don't know. But I'm really excited about Skinner, and if if he's available for you and he gets the call on tuesday i would definitely stream him in and then you know if he then you know let's say campbell gets the game on thursday then you could decide to drop skinner but i would want him like at this point if he's still in free agency maybe you don't have to rush to grab him but wait like once he's like announced to be the starter of the next game then i would try to pounce and definitely get that game then hope that then he also gets the following game uh let's move to a similar situation though because this skinner campbell situation reminds me a lot of what's going on in florida right they've got the up-and-coming spencer knight who is trying to take the job away from sergey bobrovsky Spencer Knight has won all three of his games. He doesn't have as great a save percentage as Stuart Skinner, but hey, he's getting the job done uh, versus Ottawa. He stopped 23 of 26 for the win. But Brovsky, meanwhile, is 2-3-1 with an 8.97 save percentage uh, in his games. Do you think that we're at a point in Florida where, I don't know, who do you think is going to get more starts? Let me ask you this. Rest of the season, Skinner or Spencer Knight? Who's going to play more games the rest of the way? I think it's going to be, oh... I was really I was you were yeah, nodding I like you were so ready yeah. to answer. Yeah, no, and then I and then I had a moment. I think it's going to be Skinner because I because from from what I'm looking at, Bobrovsky has been better than Knight, and Knight has actually been really weak at five on five. But Bobrovsky's uh, shorthanded save percentage is seven ninety three. We were just talking about how bad an eight. 81 is 793 is a whole lot worse like he might be the worst shorthanded goalie so far this year and these things fluctuate a lot over the course of the season so I think that's what's killing Bobrovsky this year he's actually he's not great at five on five but he's he's doing okay uh, he's on the wrong side of expected like he's playing below his expected number but Spencer Knight is way off his expected number so I could see Spencer Knight playing more than he did last year but I think uh I think There'll be it'll be more necessary for Skinner to play games in Edmonton than it will be for Knight to play games in Florida. Right, yeah. So definitely, though, if you need a goalie, Knight and Skinner might be available for you and might be knocking on the door of more starts. Uh, speaking of Florida, they've changed up their lines a bit. They've now got Kachuk on the line with Barkov and Verhage, while Sam Reinhardt has been bumped to the line with Bennett and Balsers. So similar to Tevo Teravainen here, this is a guy in Sam Reinhardt who was already cold and now is getting demoted to a much worse spot. I'm not sure. I, is it better to play with Jarvis and Kakaniemi, or is it better to play with Sam Bennett and Rudolph's Balsers? I don't know. They see, or is it better to play with Grunstrom and whoever Kupari that Fiala was playing with? Some of our stars are really having to uh, pick up the pieces here, and we'll see how they do. 
Fiala obviously doing pretty well. So like we just, we said, but anyways, first of all, great news for Barkov and for Hagi to get on the Kachuk train. Like Matthew Kachuk cannot be stopped. He like all three of those guys in that game versus Ottawa had three points. So just Barkov or Hagi and Kachuk, if that line sticks, that's like amazing. You know, we've had a lot of people ask about Carter for Hagi because he's the only one that might be available in leagues. I'm holding like a hundred percent. I was already like into him playing with Barkov. And now if he gets to play with Barkov and Matthew Kachuk, who might be like one of the best play- like players all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, he was great last year. And now he's showing that like he maybe, I don't know, was he the main driver of that Goudreau, uh, Lindholm, Kachuk line last year in Calgary? I don't know. Who's to say? That's for the history books. But uh, Matthew Kachuk just looking so amazing. And I'd want anyone playing with him. And yeah, Sam Reinhardt sits at only two assists and no goals in nine games now, playing on a very uninspiring line. Brian, he's still on the top power play, right? He's yeah. playing with uh, Barkov, Kachuk, and then Lundell actually got promoted to top power play and also Montour. So are we close to snoozer territory on Sam? You were talking about maybe trying to trade for him. So I guess you still believe in him. But man, I would prefer Tara Vinen, I think, over Reinhardt. I, I, don't I, know. I wouldn't. Think? No, okay. I, w- I wouldn't. Off power play one, Tara Vinen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going out of my way to get him. And I'm not going to acquire him hoping he gets there because... He hasn't so far. Anyway, Sam Reinhardt's still there. And Elon, you say like Balsers and Bennett is a bad place to be, but Maddie Kachuk did just fine with Balsers well, and Bennett. I think he, Matthew Kachuk well, is like the Connor McDavid. Like he'll yeah. be fine. But Sam Reinhardt is is no sledge. We've seen enough from Reinhardt to to think he's he's good. I, I'm not giving up on Sam. I feel like I almost feel like Kachuk is moved to the top line to get Barkov going. And then he'll go back down, which is just a hunch. We talked last week. We were kind of caught off guard by how bad that top Florida line had been. Still for Reinhardt, zero points at five on five. Four and a half percent on ice shooting percentage. Uh, he hasn't gotten in on any of the shots that have gone in. Reinhardt himself has no goals on 14 shots. He's only been on the ice for three goals. Uh, Look, this is going to correct, all right? This is uh, this is not Sam Reinhardt has lost it. This is Sam Reinhardt has had a, a run of bad luck, along with Alex Barkov and Carter Verhage. Maybe Kachuk will change their fortunes on the top line. Maybe Reinhardt can, I don't know, find some new mojo on the second line. But I, I don't know that this is going to stick. And either way, I still have confidence in Sam Reinhardt being pretty good. I mean, I have a lot of confidence in Tara Vinen being pretty good. So uh, I guess we'll see. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, uh, maybe looking to next week to see who's doing better. I don't know. I just have a hunch. Like, I'm just more worried about Sam Reinhardt than I am about Tavo. I don't know why. It's just a gut but, feeling. But if Reinhardt's still on the top power play... Yeah, but yeah, whatever. Like, like, to, to me, that's, I think the we'll, ti- that's the tiebreak. Like, that's today. They're, Today's October 30th, and Reinhardt's on the top power play, and Tara okay, who's gonna? Isn't. But who's going to bump him? No, I don't know if he's going to get bumped. I think Tara Vinen's probably going to get back on the top power oh, okay. play. And I just yeah. have a hunch that Tara Vinen is like more capable of being really good even with not the best line mates i guess but again i don't know okay we'll see uh but yeah not a great situation for reinhardt and i can imagine your shallower leagues you're really considering dropping and brian is saying maybe lines will change but let's say the lines stay the same yeah like let's say you were told right now these lines are going to stick the rest of the season like would you hold reinhardt then or you're just holding because i would he he had he had 31 power play points last season in 78 games so he's he's still got that spot locked down he's still shooting I, I'm not, okay. uh, yeah. In a, sh- in a very shallow league, Elon, I could see like leagues where guys, you know, 60 point players get uh, churned out. I could see you considering it and you might want to because maybe no one else will pick them up. But I, uh, yeah, I'm holding on. If anyone in a league with me is listening and wants to get rid of Sam Reinhardt, hit me up. 
All right, there you go. By the way, uh, like I mentioned, nice upgrade for Anton Lundell getting on the top power play. He has three points in his last four games, uh, averaging 2.7 shots per game this season. So, yeah, if you're in a deeper league, one like I think he's had a great future, and maybe even he'll have a good second season right now. So definitely take a look at Anton Lundell. Yeah, and looking at the second line of Balsers and Bennett, there's room for him. Like Sam Bennett can play... Th- they probably don't want him playing third line center, but he could. And that would free Lundell up to come up and play on the second line. Like he's one line shuffle away from being in the top six. So um, yeah, we were, we had our eye on him coming into the season as someone who could get improved deployment and looks ready to do more with it. And it's nice to see him get some early opportunities here. Yeah, definitely get Lundell on your watch list at the very least, and you might want to jump on him soon. Uh, Also, by the way, in Florida, we've heard that Aaron Ekblad is coming back soon. He's targeting a November 12th return, according to an update that I read recently. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's less than a couple weeks. So get excited if you have Ekblad and, you know, get less excited if you have Montour because he's not going to be holding that top power play spot for too, too much longer. Brian, let's go now to Calgary. So I was talking about Matthew Kachuk and how speculating about how much of a role he played on that top line. Uh, We definitely know that things aren't going as well for Elias Lindholm since Kachuk has left. That's for sure. He had a shorthanded assist yesterday, or Saturday, I should say, versus Edmonton, uh, but that only brings him to two goals and one assist in seven games now, so less than half point per game. He's in a good spot, you would think. He's like on the top line, top power play with Huberdeau and Tyler Toffoli. But what are, are we concerned about Lindholm? And actually talking about another uh, former Panther, uh, let's talk about Mackenzie Weger just to tie it all in together because he's also had a slow start to the year. He's He had three assists in three games to start the year. It was looking really good for him in Calgary, but he's had nothing since in four games and just five shots in that span. Like he's been decent for hits and blocks, but come on, I can, Diamond doesn't, right? A guy who doesn't get points, doesn't shoot much, but is decent for hits and blocks. I can find you that guy. Go add Oli Mata. Brian, do you know what team? I guess you saw in my notes here. Listener, challenge yourself. Do you know what team Oli Mata's on now? I mean, should I play the role of listener? Yeah, I'd be like, oh, oh. Uh, well, I, I think Remember when on, he was on Pittsburgh? He's on and Pittsburgh? It, he was like, we talked Chicago? about him once on the show about as like Oli Mata being someone who could like challenge Latang for the power. He's on I the remember. Kings, right? <laughs> so yeah, he's on the Wings. Yeah. And lately he's been just as good as Mackenzie Weger. So Brian, I guess Lindholm Sorry, but, and Weger. Also, like, that was like not a flattering impression of a listener. Like that did not <laughs> demonstrate. Like usually it was better than Elon's impressions of me. You you, okay, get, so you all sound much better than that. What's a good impression of a listener? Like, what do you think our listeners sound like? Well, I remember Oli Mata, in, you know, in his rookie season, 29 points in 78 games on Pittsburgh. And we t- I remember keeping Carlson talking about him. I'm an educated listener who hey, knows what's you, going on. You're also an articulate, like, podcaster listener. Like, look, look at you. Uh, maybe you should get behind the microphone. But okay, Brian, so Lindholm and Uyghur, both kind of stinking it up so far, at least fantasy-wise, in Calgary. Uh, I'm sure Mackenzie Weaker is probably like helping, like whatever defensively. But who cares about that for our fantasy purposes? So, what do you think about these guys? Are they going to turn it around, or is this the new Lindholm and Weaker sans, you know, Matthew Kachuk or sans, all you know, for Weaker, like all those guys he used to play with over in Florida? I can tell you, it's not comic in Calgary. Sans Matthew Kachuk, yeah. Lindholm has not been on the ice for a goal scored at five on five. We 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 touched on this last week. It's dire in Calgary, and. To like, it actually doesn't look so awful. Like I, I'm looking to the, his expected, his on ice expected goals numbers. They're not terrible. They're lower than they were last year, but it's not like a huge drop off. It's just no one has scored while Lindholm's on the ice. And some of this can be chalked up to bad luck. I think some of it can be chalked up to, um, you know, finding team chemistry and working out systems. Like his IPP, uh, Lindholm's IPP is a dash. 
<laughs> because Calgary's taken uh, how many shots? 41 shots with him on the ice. They've scored zero times on them. I can't, I'm trying to be really clear about that. Last year, they would have scored four times on 40 shots with Lindholm on the ice. He would have been in on two thirds of them. So he would have had like, I don't know, two or three points at five on five. And something better would also be happening on the power play. There's just, I, I really think I'm going to chalk it all up to just adjustment period for Lindholm. Like, and hopefully the adjustment works out. There's no guarantee it will. You have Nazem Kadri crushing it. And maybe he steals the best line mates, like the best wingers for himself, while Lindholm is asked to play more of like a two-way uh, centerman on the second line role. So we'll have to wait and see it. It's not looking great for Lindholm, but we'd expect this if you lose your two line mates and you're playing, uh, you know, you're, you're on the ice on occasion with a brand new defenseman who wasn't on your team last year yeah but i mean i think a lot of people going into the year were so stoked about huberdo just like being like one of the top playmakers in the league i like thought oh man he's going to be dishing to Lindholm. it's going to be like amazing for him and like it definitely hasn't worked out that way like, i think a lot of people in drafts are really excited about Lindholm and are, are really bummed right now and it seems to me like you're saying and i think i agree with you that i don't think that this is going to be a great year for Lindholm, at least not up to the standard that he put up last year like i think and i remember in the beat writer interview that ben did with with your it was a friend of yours that like some it was an Kent acquaintance Wilson. of yours. Kent Wilson. That was such a great interview. And I remember he was saying that, like, Elias Lindholm probably, like, he he kind of called it in the interview that he's not going to be a point-per-game guy. He was like, oh, yeah, when you play with, like, Kachuk and, you know, Goudreau, it's, you can it's get It's really there. funny. It's funny. Your takeaway after that interview was like, you know, he's kind of a downer. Like, we're so excited about Calgary. And he just, like, mentioned how he's he's nervous about production, about all these guys. And so far, it's sort of been the case. You also asked me about Uyghur. I don't see any reason to think Uyghur like, you know, people were drafting him thinking, oh, he's going to be the top power play guy. I didn't really, you know, I didn't buy into that and it hasn't borne out. So I look smart. I could have looked dumb, though, in retrospect. But his ice time's down with Calgary. He's playing a few minutes less per night. Uh, some of that is because he's playing a smaller penalty kill role. But uh, on the whole, he's going to be this like 35, 40 point player in all likelihood, uh, with Calgary, even though uh, like his, his production all came at five on five with Florida, but it came on some really crazy successful lines that we just have not seen gel in Calgary. So until further notice, 35 points is a fair expectation. If Calgary starts uh, to catch fire, no pun intended, then you can expect more, but I'm not expecting Uyghur to be the difference there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I just think, yeah, you have to adjust your expectations for all these flames and maybe even Jonathan Huberdeau. I think he'll be maybe a little better, but I don't think he's a 100-point guy. If he could get to point per game, that'd be nice, but he only has five points in seven games so far. It's just a different team. It's a Daryl Sutter team, right? Though I guess it worked out well for the guys last year, but I just, uh, I don't know. All right. So, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. I want to get to another really disappointing defenseman who I really want you to tell me that things are going to be okay over in Pittsburgh. Uh, Oli Mata's former team. People can try to uh, guess who I'm going to be talking about there. Uh, We'll get to that in just a sec, though, because we are going to end part one of this episode. So thanks so much for listening. Like and subscribe. Well, I guess it's what you say for YouTube, right? Subscribe to us on your podcast feed and please give us a good review, all that stuff. But maybe we'll say that at the end of the next episode. So thanks so much for listening. And yeah, just like go ahead, take a break, have a snack, and then uh, come back and join us for part two, where we're going to talk about a lot more hot and cold streaks here on Keeping Carlson. So thanks for listening and talk to you soon.